0: On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Elon Musk says that the pesky phantom braking issue with autopilot has been solved. Some long requested features make their way into your car. Tesla states its plan to expand to a major new global market next year and more. What's happening friends Ryan McCaffrey with you alongside Daisy the boxer who is looking longingly out the window hoping maybe a squirrel or something goes by that she can take interest in it is episode 271 of ride the lightning the weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for October 11th 2020 first I wanted to give a quick apology for those of you who listen on YouTube. There was a delay last week in getting the show to YouTube, if you do prefer to listen there. It was an issue with my podcast hosting provider Libsyn and their syndication to YouTube. They had said, this appears to be caused by our per-day API quota with YouTube being set to zero. This is not a change that we made and is likely something done from YouTube's end. Anyway, it is back to normal now, so sorry about that. Everything should hopefully... Be uh, on schedule from here on out. Also, real quick, just a programming note I have uh, introduced another new Patreon pledge tier, and that, and I've also renamed them all. I thought, you know what, I haven't really refreshed these in a while and, and taken a closer look. They're all named after performance driving modes in the car now. So, what was the early access tier is now the sport tier, the uh, color priority tier, track mode tier. Uh, Ludicrous tier that gets you your bonus episode every month and the other uh, lower ones. Then there's Plaid, formerly known as the Patreon Producers. Maximum Plaid, that's the new one. That'll be uh, a group Google Hangout to talk Tesla every month. I've been doing a couple of these as sort of a welcome thing. And uh, it seems like everybody, it's not just me having fun. It seems like everybody is having fun getting together and chatting uh, Tesla with people around the country, around the world and sharing their experiences. So I thought I would build that in since people seem to really enjoy that. So uh, if you hit the maximum plaid tier, we'll do that group Google Hangout every month. And you'll also get all of the other perks, the, sh- you know, the Patreon producer shout out at the end of the show, the bonus episode, the early access, the caller priority, All of that stuff. So uh, to find out more, to take a look, if you're interested in supporting the podcast, you want to take a closer look at that, you can find all the info at patreon.com slash Podcast. And Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. All right, let's get to the news. The long-requested 360-degree bird's-eye view of your car and the surrounding area around the car when parking a parking camera you know, utilizing all eight of the car's cameras seems to be a step closer. Elon responding to my friend John from the He Heads Up, the Tesla Owners Club of Silicon Valley, and Elon saying, quote, vector space bird's eye view coming with FSD. So a couple of things here. First, when he says coming with FSD, that could mean a few things. That could mean, you know, not until the cars can drive themselves Anywhere you want to go, a.k.a. level four self-driving, it could also mean that it's going to be part of the full self-driving package that, you know, that exists now when the full autopilot rewrite rolls out to everyone around the end of this year. Either way, regardless, it is likely tied in some way to the full autopilot rewrite, A, because that's imminent, that rewrite, and B, because we know from previous explanations by Andre Carpathy, the head of Autopilot, that Autopilot is going to see and collect data in, quote-unquote, 4D now. Which, by that, uh, as Elon has previ- pre- previously explained it, if I can speak, uh, 3D video plus time. So just they're, they're actually capturing, instead of just snapshots from the camera, actual video clips and the cameras and the neural net will stitch them all together. So uh, hopefully we are going to be able to get that better parking camera system because, hey, it's a convenience feature. It's better for everyone if we've got that. And a lot of other cars do have it, too. Now, meanwhile, a feature that is here right now, as of uh, today, you don't even need a software update to get it, two-factor authentication for your Tesla account. This is definitely a nice security feature to have and activating it is very simple. All you have to do is log into your Tesla account. You cannot turn it on from within the Tesla app. At least I couldn't find a way to do it. You need to log on to tesla.com, log into your account, and then uh, once you're there, click account to go into your account. That's near the top of the page on the upper right corner. And then you will see, uh, once you click on account, you'll see multi-factor authentication in that menu, and you can enable it from there. Speaking of long-requested features, a topic that has come up recently on this very podcast, and certainly in the general Tesla community, uh, Elon Musk says that the autopilot phantom braking issue should be gone in the latest release. Uh, Listener Dave McCann asking Elon on Twitter, is the issue of phantom braking fixed in this release has it has a uh, it has been a number of people meaning there has been a number of people talking about this recently to which Elon responded it should be fixed in the latest wide release won't need to wait for fsd presumably there Elon is referring to the latest wide release as 2020.40.3 which i got yesterday and it seems like uh usually i'm I tend to be right towards the beginning of the wide push. Like, I, I don't usually get things earlier first, but when it starts to really get out there, uh, that's I seem to be part of that group, the, that large group. So I just got that yesterday, uh, that means everybody else is probably getting it now, too. If you haven't received it, you're probably going to receive it uh, any hour now and certainly any day now. And really, and I've only driven the car once since the update, just down to my allergist and back. No problem, thankfully, but just an incredibly small sample size. And in my experience, my problems with phantom braking have been random. They have not been repeatable. So uh, I'll just keep driving and we'll see what happens. And on that note, I would like to hear from you. Once you get this version, I will be eager to hear from anyone who does still experience phantom braking. I'll let you know if it happens to me from here on out, uh, and I'd like to hear from you as well. Unfortunately, I will say, in keeping up with everything in in the community, on the Tesla Motors Reddit, I am already seeing a few people say, yep, I got the update, and I had a phantom braking issue, so I'm not sure it's completely eradicated, but hopefully it's at least much better than it was, so we'll all have to keep an eye on that, but at least Elon saying that it's addressed hopefully means that they've been working on it and it will be at least better, if not completely gone. Meanwhile, another Ride the Lightning listener named Zane asked Elon about an oldie but goodie. Uh, Zane wrote, will we ever see the automatic snake charger? To which Elon replied simply, yes. Now, if you're not familiar with the automatic Snake Charger, you can find the video on Tesla's YouTube channel. I would encourage you to just go on YouTube and just type Tesla Snake Charger and you should find what is a very short video. It's something like 15 seconds long. There's no point in playing the audio here for you on the podcast uh, because there's really nothing to hear. You have to see it to see what I'm talking about, but it's exactly what it sounds like it is. It is a prototype charging cable that Tesla built. I mean, that video was from, gosh, I'd have to look it up, uh, which I'm not going to stop the show to do, but it was probably four or five years ago at this point. And it is uh, a charging cable that with like a sort of robotic uh, vertebrae, basically on the cable that that automatically brought it up and had some sort of sensor or camera to locate the charge port and then centered itself and plugged in on its own. So it's a very creepy-looking Charger Snake, but it would be really cool to have because when when full self-driving actually arrives and you can actually sleep in your car and do interstate travel and you know you want to drive two states away and do it overnight and wake up at your destination the next morning, well, you're going to need some form of automatic charging to do it And the charging snake could certainly be a solution to that problem. I believe the last time that this came up, it's been a little while now, but I had commented that I thought it would probably be a project that was on the back burner until full self-driving was actually getting close. That's when Tesla would need to start devoting some resources to it again. Now, I still believe that to be the case, and to be clear, I don't think Elon's one-word answer to this that, yes, there's still, that we will see it at some point, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're working on it. I don't think the project is necessarily back in development, but nevertheless, it is good to know that Elon has not forgotten about it, and it does appear to still be part of Tesla's future supercharging infrastructure roadmap. Next up this week, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Actually, I've got a couple of bad news stories this week. This one is that the Lego Cybertruck pitch that I shared with you some months back now, which got plenty of signatures of support, more than enough to officially submit it to the Lego group for their consideration. Well, the Lego group has rejected that proposal And it will thus not proceed and and not be released as a retail Lego kit. I want to say thank you to listener. Uh, Their Twitter account is Tacos and Teslas was the first person to alert me to this. Bad news, though it may be. Here's a statement from Lego. Quote, our team has thoroughly considered the possibility of releasing this project as a Lego set according to the criteria of the Lego review. Unfortunately, the LEGO review board has decided that we will not produce this product project as a set. And as MotorOne.com notes, they only choose, meaning they meaning LEGO, only chooses one out of several dozen projects that reach that 10,000 supporter mark, that threshold that's necessary to have it officially considered. And in this session, if you're curious... The winning design was an Earth Globe model made out of Lego pieces, which will be pretty cool. That's It looks pretty cool. Now, I wonder if the licensing agreement that Tesla has with Mattel could be a factor in this, because Mattel, if you remember from earlier this year, is already offering two remote-controlled Cybertruck toys. I mean, that's one explanation that, that seems to make sense to me. Of course, it would also make perfect sense if the Lego folks simply thought that they could sell more of the Lego Earth Globes than they could Lego Cybertrucks. I mean, they are, after all, a for-profit company. They're probably going to choose the one that they think is the most mass marketable, and presumably a cool Earth Globe is a little more mass appeal than a Cybertruck, which, you know, hey, It's it's cool. We all love it. But not everybody would necessarily uh, be into that. So those are my two running theories. They could also both be true. We'll see. But unfortunately, there's no backup plan. If you're if you're listening to this thinking, well, wait, hold on the Mattel RC Cybertruck. I'd like one of those. There's no uh, option for you there either because of the both of them are gone. There was a one-tenth scale, one to ten scale, $400 remote-controlled version of the Cybertruck from Mattel. That sold out instantly and seemingly is not going to be offered for sale again at least any time soon, if ever, And then there was a smaller, much smaller radio control toy version of the Cybertruck, a 164th scale for just $20. That's also sold out. So that's not even, uh, you can't even get that as a stocking stuffer if you did not get a pre-order in when they first went live. So again, sorry to be the bearer of bad news on this one, but uh, nevertheless, I just wanted to mention that because I know... I'm sure I wasn't the only one that was interested in hearing about that Lego Cybertruck and hoping that that pitch made it to production, but no such luck this year. In better news, Tesla is finally coming to India in 2021. This story comes via Reuters, who builds upon a tweet from Elon who said, next year for sure. Thanks for waiting with regard to Tesla coming to India. And as Reuters notes, Tesla's entry could come at a time when Prime Minister Narendra Modi is increasingly becoming focused on promoting the use and manufacture of electric vehicles. India's auto sector, already reeling from a slowdown in demand last year, has been further hit by the novel coronavirus pandemic, and carmakers are seeking government support to push sales. Now, Meanwhile, as the Economic Times reports, the Indian government is inviting Tesla to do more than just enter the market there. Teslarati writing, uh, Gaurav Gupta, the principal secretary of Karnataka's Commerce and Industries Department, said the government has reportedly offered Bangalore as a site for a possible Gigafactory India in a statement to the Economic Times. According to Gupta, Bangalore has a favorable ecosystem for electric vehicles, and this is something that Tesla could effectively tap into for its potential operations. Quote We have offered Tesla all support to set up a research and development center and the manufacturing unit. Bengaluru has a favorable economic, excuse me, favorable ecosystem for electric vehicles, and Tesla can leverage that, Gupta said the India facility would produce both batteries and electric vehicles. That being said, Gupta also set some expectations for the project, explaining that the state's talks with Tesla are still preliminary at this point, and they will likely be, quote, long-drawn. Well, no matter what form Tesla's business in India takes, whether it's simply selling cars or going so far as to build another new gigafactory, this is a big opportunity for Tesla as India is of course one of the world's largest markets. However, they will the challenge here is that Tesla will be starting completely from scratch. There are no superchargers there, there are no stores there, there are no service centers there either. So it's going to require a substantial investment both financial and infrastructure wise uh, with or without a gigafactory in the country. But nevertheless, I am rooting for this to happen. Would love to see Tesla get into a big new market. Be great for India, great for Tesla. It's just another step towards Tesla's goal of transitioning the world to sustainable energy. Next up this week, uh, I mentioned it a little earlier with regard to the phantom braking autopilot story, but that big new version 2020.40 has started rolling out wide, and there are some major new features in it, so I thought I would share them with you. If you've uh, already received this in your car and you've already looked at the release notes, well, feel free to hit the fast-forward button for a minute or so. But it offers speed assist improvements. In addition to local roads, speed assist now leverages your car's cameras to detect speed limit signs to improve the accuracy of speed limit data for highways. So here we go, the next step on speed limit sign reading, and that is freeways slash highways. I'm gonna be eager to test this one out. As I said, I've only taken my car out once since I got this update. Here in the San Francisco Bay Area, you almost have to drive on a freeway to get anywhere. So having this uh, extra sign reading capability is useful. And really too, this seems to have come out fairly soon after the initial local roads speed limit sign reading so that to me seems like a good sign that the feature is performing well thus far another new feature offered in this version priority bluetooth device to avoid connecting to the wrong nearby phone you can now set your priority bluetooth device your car will attempt to connect to the priority device associated with the profile selected before it attempts to connect to other paired phones well, this one sounds like it's gonna go out to those of you with multiple Tesla drivers in your household. Should be a very useful quality of life feature for those folks. Next, it uh, 2020.40 having a glove box pin feature. Protect the valuables in your glove box with a four digit pin. This one makes so much sense, I'm honestly shocked that it's only just now being made available. It's such an easy, useful security option. Again, I I almost would have figured, oh, I'm surprised they didn't have this two or three years ago, but nevertheless, I am really glad to see this. And uh, next up here, charge port inlet heater. With chilly weather approaching, here's some good news. Your car can now use the charge port inlet heater to help defrost the inside of the charge port. The charge port inlet heater can be activated in cold ambient temperatures by enabling preconditioning using the mobile app, activating the rear defrost button on the vehicle's touchscreen, or preconditioning the vehicle using scheduled departure. So yeah, just as, uh, as we head into the fall here and the weather starts to get crisp and chilly around uh, certain parts of the, well, the northern hemisphere, certainly, this uh, definitely is an excellent addition and it feels like the kind of awesome feature that shouldn't be possible with an over-the-air update. But here you go, heater for your charge port via a software update. That is awesome. This is gonna be a godsend for those of you out there who are in winter climates, I'm sure. I mean, again, and just just real fast as I wrap up this, this story, pull back to that 10,000-foot view as I like to do from time to time, It's another nice reminder here, all of these interesting and useful new features, and in some cases fun new features, we are getting them all for free. The cars really do get better after you take them home, after you take delivery of them. And it's just, it's nice to, I think it's nice to remember that from time to time and try not to take it for granted. This, I think in in a lot of other car companies' hands, a program like this, a software update program like this would be monetized. And maybe someday it will be with Tesla. But for now, for the first, what, eight years that Tesla's been producing cars? Actually, yeah, we are, I guess we are officially past the eight year mark of Tesla producing its own cars. Cause of course I know the Roadster existed, but Lotus built those. Uh, but anyway, In eight years, Tesla has, it's all been free software updates that have added so many interesting things over the years. And then finally in 2020.40, for those of you who are Model S owners, you can now vent all four of your windows from the Tesla app, which the 3 and the Y have been able to do. I was kind of surprised to learn that this was not a software feature that the Model S could do remotely. But there you go. That feature has now been added. So good stuff in 2020.40 rolling out wide now. Next this week, back to the bad news, sadly. And unfortunately, dire warning for Tesla owners in the Los Angeles area. I know I've got a lot of listeners in California in general, certainly plenty of you down there in Southern California. And this is in regards to wheel theft. A tip of my cap to Tesla Roddy, which is where I saw this story. The LAPD and specifically LAPD Pacific, which serves Del Rey, Manchester Square, Mar Vista, Oakwood, Palms, Playa Del Rey, Playa Vista, Venice, and Westchester, LAPD Pacific took to Twitter to alert the community with the following message: "Quote, Tesla owners." In Palms and Mar Vista area, be aware that Tesla rims and tires are a hot commodity in the black market. Do activate the sentry mode and plug a flash drive in to record events and whenever possible park in well-lit public areas. End tweet. Now the LAPD does not specify in this if Other vehicles are being frequently targeted as well, or if it is just Teslas. But regardless, it's certainly not a thing you want to read, particularly if you are in the Los Angeles area. Here in the San Francisco Bay Area, Teslas and definitely plenty of other four-door sedan cars uh, with with that small quarter window on the the back side of the second row door have been affected by smash and grabs cuz that little tiny quarter window gets smashed you can reach your hand in and there's the seat back release right there right close to the door so that thieves can they can smash that put the seat release the seat back and easily see into your trunk and then Potentially, just break the door, the rest of the glass, and open the door and take whatever's in your trunk. That's been a problem here, up in the up in Northern California. But this is uh, it's a little extra scary to read about about uh, tire just wheel theft in L.A. because the victims return to a wheelless car on blocks. In fact, the L.A.P.D. Pacifics post about this. Uh, that I just read you included a photo of a blue Model 3 sitting on crates with no wheels on the car, which would just be a... a I know there are a lot of bad things in life and wheels are and tires are replaceable, but that would be a, a scary thing to come back to. I mean, that would just not be a, a pleasant experience. So if you are in that area, the areas mentioned... Please heed the police's warning to use sentry mode. Although, I have to say, it's, it's, you know, you you want the police to be giving helpful advice, but at the same point, there's a little bit of a catch-22 because in giving that sentry mode advice, the police are also telling the criminals who are doing these tire and wheel thefts about sentry mode and about a USB drive plugged into the car. But hopefully, the bulk of those... Uh, thieves don't know where the USB drives are plugged in. Uh, let's see here. Let's move on to, is this a happier story? Well, maybe just kind of a neutral story here. As you may have heard, Tesla stock was not added to the S&P 500 index when the committee last met. And Tesla, Rati via Bloomberg, so this actually was on Bloomberg, reached out for a bit of perspective on that from, uh, they they talked to David Blitzer, who was a former head of that S&P 500 index committee. And Mr. Blitzer says, I've gotten calls from people who know I haven't been on the committee for a year and a half and barely ever call me about stocks. And they say, why didn't they do it? Uh, This was in an interview with Bloomberg. He says, the amount of chatter about Tesla is staggering. But as Tesla Roddy notes, Blitzer isn't convinced that Tesla's inclusion will never happen. He just believes that some are waiting to see if the automaker's recent rally on Wall Street is for real or if the stock will backtrack in the coming months. Tesla's stock has grown over fivefold so far in 2020. It has made many investors richer and many short sellers poorer. Still, one thing is for certain the stock's valuation is not certain. This is where Blitzer believes the holdup is taking place. Quote, there's plenty of times when there's big names, popular names, well-known names that don't get added the moment they're eligible, Blitzer said. And the the S&P's goal was never to lump together the biggest companies. It was to construct, quote, a great measure of the market, he said. But more so, Blitzer does not understand why so many people are focused on getting Tesla into the S&P. Quote, I think the real question is, why the rush? So in his at least experienced opinion, whether you agree with him or not, it sounds like the committee might want to see Tesla keep it up, basically. Just keep the good times rolling. Uh, Blitzer did also reference Microsoft back in 1994 when they became eligible, but were also not immediately added. The good news for Tesla is as far as Keeping those good times rolling and continuing to put up good numbers to uh, merit that S and P 500 index inclusion, Q3 and Q4, which we are in the middle of now. Uh, Q3 is is underway. Uh, excuse me, Q4 is underway. That's how time works, Ryan. Try it again. <laughs> we're we're in the, we're smack dab in the middle of, of that Q3 and Q4. And those two quarters are traditionally very strong quarters for Tesla. You heard the record delivery numbers for Q3 at the top of last week's podcast. And the earnings call is happening on October 21st, which is a little on the earlier side. It typically tends to be a little over a month, just over a month after uh, the end of the quarter. But they're going on the earlier side here, which, you know, I don't want to read into it too far, but it might suggest some confidence on Tesla's part there. So, uh, we will see what happens on October 21st based on those record deliveries that Tesla announced for Q3. If Tesla will indeed extend its quarterly profit streak to five quarters and Q4, again, traditionally very strong quarter would give them a good chance to make it six in a row potentially. So Stay tuned, by the way, episode 273, two weeks from now, two shows from now. That will be my big quarterly earnings call recap and analysis episode. So uh, those are always fun to do. Stay tuned for that. Finally this week, here is an update on the Berlin-made Model Y that should start production by the end of next year. Elon going on Twitter and saying, quote, Berlin will use the 4680 cell, that's the new one from Battery Day, Berlin will use the 4680 cell with structural battery pack and front and rear single-piece castings. Also, a new paint system. A lot of new technology will happen in Berlin, which means significant production risk. Fremont and Shanghai will transition in about two years, meaning from now, when the new tech is proven. Battery, the battery pack will be a bonded structure with cells providing shear transfer between steel upper and lower face sheets, eliminating most of the center body parts while providing better torsional rigidity and improved polar moment of inertia. This is a major, and he emphasizes major breakthrough. Well, someone call St- uh, Sandy Monroe stat. Because Sandy, of course, was a guest on this show not too long ago. We are going to need a detailed, informed teardown of this Berlin-built Model Y once they start rolling off of that new production line over in Germany. And hey, Sandy's already got an early build Fremont-made Model Y all torn down in his shop. He's already learned a ton from it. He's got the skeleton of it sitting right in there. Ready to compare it to. So we need to make sure we need to get Sandy for all of our own education's sake. We need to make sure Sandy gets himself a uh, Berlin built Model Y as quickly as possible. So we can all learn what Tesla is up to. Now, as for transitioning Fremont and Shanghai, I wonder how that's going to work with regards to keeping production going and, and ramped and fast. I mean, I suppose the Y is the only vehicle confirmed to be getting this structural battery pack, single pre- piece rear and casting, this whole new uh, assembly method thus far. We don't uh, we don't know if the Model 3 is going to get it anytime soon or ever. Presumably at some point it will happen, but for now it is the focus is on the Model Y, that, which of course is going to be the first vehicle that Berlin produces. So... Um, I'm not, I'm just wondering, yeah, I mean, when Elon says they'll transition Fremont when the new tech is proven, maybe he also means when Giga Texas is at volume production to pick up the Model Y slack while Fremont shuts down its Model Y production line for a week or two in order to retool and upgrade. And speaking of Giga Texas, uh... Notice how Elon didn't mention Giga Texas once uh, as, as one of the places that's going to be transitioned. He mentioned Fremont, he mentioned Shanghai. Presumably that is because like Giga Berlin, Giga Texas will be set up to build in this new method from the jump in late 2021. Can't, you know, I can't say that definitively, but that's my takeaway based on Elon's words there. All right, that is everything in a very busy week of Tesla news. Stick with me though, I've got your awesome phone calls all lined up and ready to go for you right after this.
1: This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? master chief out
0: time for your phone calls in the ride, the lightning hotline. And if you'd like to call into the podcast with a question, comment or discussion topic, I would love to hear from you two easy ways to do that. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software and record your 90 second or less question, send it in to my email address, which is Tesla at gmail.com. Or you can just call and leave a message anytime you like on the ride, the lightning hotline itself. That toll-free number is 1-888-989-8752. That number one more time, 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Fernando from Chattanooga
2: kicks us off. Go ahead, Fernando. Hi, Ryan. Fernando from Chattanooga here. I've been listening to your show since 2015 when I got my first Model S and wanted to learn more about Tesla. I found your podcast right off the bat, and I'm so glad I did. I look forward to your show every week. Just recently became a Patreon member. I had a couple of questions that either I missed or I haven't heard anyone talk about. With the new essentially tabless batteries, being able to throughput five times the energy, if I remember hearing that correctly, Are we talking about a significant improvement in charging speeds? I don't think I heard anyone touch on that subject. My other question was regarding autopilot. I have heard Elon say that time is now a huge factor in the software, and I'm curious if you believe that the car will be better able to anticipate cars changing lanes or crossing intersections so that the car doesn't brake super hard. It's different from phantom braking, as I know why it's doing so. But it does seem a little aggressive at times. Also, I'd love for it to use the brakes less and anticipate the cars in front of me better so i can use, so we can just use regenerative braking more and use my the brakes as an emergency feature i tell everyone autopilot is much like teaching a 15 year old to drive but the more you use it the faster the team gets us the product we are all wanting for a truly autonomous future when i show people the car and explain autopilot i often pose the question are you driving the future or is the future driving you thanks for all you do tell maggie i send my best Thanks, Ryan.
0: Fernando, I think the teenage driver analogy is pretty spot on, and it'll be interesting to see if the full Autopilot rewrite levels it up into a 20-something driver, slightly more experienced. Now, To your question about Autopilot getting better at anticipating what other cars are going to do, I definitely think that's got to be a part of the roadmap. After all, Elon has talked about wanting a totally vision-based autopilot package, and one of the things that the cameras can definitely see but are currently not responding to are turn signals. I'm pretty sure that basically every Tesla owner has probably been in the spot, every Tesla owner with autopilot, has probably been in the spot where someone else is signaling just ahead of you in an adjacent lane looking to get over into your lane But on autopilot, the car doesn't move. It's just doing its thing, keeping the fixed distance from the car in front of you. And you'll look like a rude or at worst mean person unless you take control back over and just back off yourself in order to let that other car in. As to your other question, I thought I did briefly mention charging speeds on the battery day recap episode. But if I forgot to... What I meant to say was that, yes, I actually do agree with you. I wonder if this was the faster-than-250-kilowatt uh, supercharging that Elon alluded to at the beginning of the Cybertruck unveiling presentation. Fernando, thank you very much for your call, and I'll go to Greg in Michigan next.
3: Hey, so Ryan, this is Greg from Michigan. I have a question for you about production schedules. I ordered a Model Y last month. Uh, performance why. and I've been reading online that um, that they shift over to like a European spec production the first month after uh, the quarter's end. And I'm curious if that's something that's true. If you know about that, and also do they do they run batches of all performance for a few month for a month, and run all batches of uh, long range and so on, or by colors? And I'm just curious if, if you know anything about that. Love to hear. it. Thanks for your podcast. I'm binging all of them since I just ordered my. Why and it's gonna be a while. So thanks
0: so much. See ya. Hi Greg. Thanks for your call. Well, I can't answer this definitively, but I can answer pretty confidently. And the reason that I feel confident in saying that yes it seems as though all of the cars do indeed go to Europe early in the quarter is because I actually am lucky enough to physically see car carriers going north on Highway 101 here on the San Francisco Peninsula heading up towards the shipping port in San Francisco and more to that and so you're thinking well okay great you see cars full of sh- trucks full of Teslas big deal those cars, early in the quarter, I've been seeing them lately, actually. they have Europe, the the long, wide, rectangular, European style front license plate brackets on them that, of course, the US cars don't have. Um, plus it makes sense logistically, right? If you kind of think about it that way, the European cars with the car with everything built in Fremont for now, take the longest to transport. So to get them out first thing in the quarter so that they can get delivered by the end of the quarter makes sense. With the Model Y, though, that car hasn't launched in Europe yet, so I wonder if maybe they're doing Canadian spec builds early in the quarter for similar reasons, and that's why you've got a bit of a long wait. It could also be possible that if you ordered a tow hitch, they might only do batches of those builds every so often, and that's why you're showing a bit longer of a wait. I hope that helps, and by the way, let me pre-congratulate you on your Performance Model Y. I know from personal experience, we've all pretty well been there uh, as, as Tesla owners, the wait is tough from after you've ordered, that, just that period of anticipation, but the good news is that the odds are very, very high that you're going to be very happy once it arrives. Let me take a call next from uh, this. I think, let's see. Yeah, we've had Africa call in before. Try to think if every continent has been represented on this podcast. Maybe not Antarctica. I don't think anybody's called in from there. But here's a call from Nairobi.
4: Hi, Ryan. This is Manavo from Nairobi, Kenya. Would like to wish you a happy birthday and thank you for all the great work you do with the podcast every week was wondering if you had any idea whether Tesla had an ideas or innovation center on their web page where customers could record improvements that they would like with future models or future upgrades of the software. It would be a great idea to have something like this where customers could then receive feedback and see what Tesla actually thought about the ideas and suggestions that they had.
0: Thank you, bye. I could not agree with you more. I think I've talked about the reason for this before, if not your specific idea. And what I've said that I very much still believe is that Tesla needs a better customer feedback system in place than just tweet at Elon and hope he responds. Sorry, hope he sees it, let alone responds. So yes, I'm completely on board with you on this, and I hope Tesla makes it happen at some point. I mean, to cut down on spam, they could have it locked inside your Tesla account credentials. You know, I was talking earlier in this podcast about turning on two-factor authentication for your account. You gotta log into your account to do that. They could put this in there too, so that you'd have to be an owner to submit feedback. Now, I know there are plenty of non-owners that have good suggestions too, but I guess you, you, maybe there's a better way to do it, but you've got to have some kind of, uh, trade-off, you know, there's no perfect system, I guess, but that's the one that comes to mind is just lock it behind or inside the Tesla account so that you, uh, only owners can submit feedback and they just wouldn't get spammed by non-owners and, you know, ne'er-do-wells
1: who just want to spam.
0: Anyway, thank you for your call, and Michael in Missouri is up next. Go ahead, Michael.
1: Hey, Ryan. The last navigation update really jacked up speed limits in my area, changing one highway I take to work from the correct 55 to 40. Another 55-mile-an-hour highway is now 25 because it thinks a sliver of school zone goes on for miles. It's been frustrating not being able to use autopilot, so I've been anxiously awaiting the speed limit recognition update for months. I have to say, I could not be more disappointed. First off, there appear to be invisible barriers where it just decides to switch from the visually recognized limit to the navigation data limit. In one place, it does it less than half a mile past the last sign. Second, they expire. One road I use it has never known the speed limit and I was therefore limited to 45 and now recognizes the correct limit but after about two minutes it just disappears. I would assume this feature is independent from the autopilot rewrite coming, so do you know if they plan to use the visual data to update the navigation data?
0: Great question here, Michael. Now, the good news, as you you heard earlier in the podcast and you may have received on your own car already, this did get an update in the 2020.40.3. In that version, the feature, as you heard, now expands to freeways as well as surface streets. Hopefully it improves the feature as well. I guess we'll all find out very soon as it is now rolling out to the wider fleet and we'll get more sort of collective community data from it. As I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, I have not really had a chance to test it out yet myself. I mean, worst case, maybe kind of down the road, hopefully if it's not quite reliable enough, Tesla would maybe give the option to turn that feature off at some point. And just rely on the NAV data. We'll see how things go. David in Tallahassee responding to John from Tallahassee from last week. Go ahead, David.
4: Hi, Ryan. This is David in Tallahassee following up on the caller last week from Tallahassee. Uh, I, too, asked that they uh, transfer my full self-driving purchase from my Model 3 to the new Model Y that I purchased. And uh, Tesla refused to do that, so I ended up having to pay for full self-driving twice. Uh, just doesn't seem right. But the other thing I wanted to ask is that um, when I get my over-the-air updates, it seems like they're repeating uh, features that uh, they've already set down uh, to the car, so... I'm just wondering because I'm not getting the updates that uh, are listed in other places. I'm on 2020.36.11, and uh, for 10.2, uh, is there some order uh, to how they uh, download things to the vehicles or to the various models?
0: Thanks. Bye. Hi, David. Well, I can definitely help with the over-the-air updates that seem to be repeating features, as you say. So what's happening there is that the smaller updates, and by that I mean the 0.1, 0.2, 0.3 updates, like the 2020.40.3 that I got yesterday, those little updates don't add anything new. The point the I'm talking about, uh, they just fix little minor things and what happens is that some people never get pushed the first one, the like the 2020.40. For instance, I didn't get that one. They just get the 2020.40.3 after Tesla makes those hot fixes. So they list those new features up top for those uh, like me again this week that never got the original release of that build. So that's why it seems like those features are quote-unquote kind of repeating because you've gotten multiple updates within that build, and updates roll out in waves, which of course we don't have any control over, I'm afraid, so that means sometimes you might be one of the first to get an update, and thus you might also see a .1, 0.2, 0.3 update after, and sometimes you might be a little farther back in line, and just get the, the you know, the first major build you get of that version is the rev. So I hope that explanation helps. Brian from Pennsylvania, you are up next.
3: Hey, Ryan, I'm Brian from Walton, Pennsylvania. Talking about how long will a Tesla last? I brought this up once before, and I heard it in the last podcast, people talking about that. And I don't think that really is a concern how long it's going to last because obviously you take care of it, and the moving parts, the battery, the motor, all that—they're going to last quite some time. You know, they'll outlast the body of the vehicle most likely. Where I think the downfall is going to be is the technology. If you consider the earlier Model S's with the self-driving capabilities, they are not capable of full self-driving. And I can see where, okay, the ones now are supposed to be full self-driving when that eventually happens, but I see other things with technology where five, six years down the road, you're going to want to buy a newer car just for whatever technology upgrade there happens to be. That's the way I see it, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm right, but that's my opinion. Have a great day, and uh, thanks again.
0: Yeah, the updates and support will be interesting over time to see how long Tesla actively sticks with a vehicle. It's probably gonna have to be a lot longer than most software, since in the case of this software, it's attached to hardware that is a long-lasting part of someone's life that also costs a lot of money. Uh, By the way, thank you to Chris as well for calling in with a very, very similar sentiment. So I wanted to give him a shout out in addition to playing Brian's call. Uh, The final call in this week's episode of the podcast goes to Chris responding to Andrew from Ottawa regarding Elon's response to Vehicle to Grid from Battery Day. So take a listen to Chris.
5: Hey, Ryan, love the show as always. I wanted to follow up with... uh uh, to Andrew from Ottawa that had a question last week in regards to Elon's response to the vehicle to grid um, and why they're not really on board with that these days as much as they might have been in the past um, there are a couple things to consider with vehicle to grid so we're all let's say you know're we're, we're, we're sitting on a battery pack in the car right so okay well why can't we just use that as our home backup so the battery is totally capable of you know handling that that's not a problem that's essentially what the power wall is. But you got to think of how that power gets from the battery to your home. Okay, so if we're charging at home through the mobile cord, so that or let's say even the the Tesla charging, um, you know, station at uh, at your home, that's only rated for a certain amount of amps. So, you know, like the, for instance, the mobile cord that's only rated to the one I have anyway is uh, rated to 40 amps max. So, you know, the electrical load of your house is way more than that so you're not going to be able to effectively power everything here. I mean, it could work for some things, but I think it's finicky enough to where that's why they don't want to get involved with it because it's some things would you know, would be able to power some things, not all things. So the cord is limiting the amount of current that can go in the house. That's one. Two, what they mentioned was let's say there's a power outage, you know, in your neighborhood. Now your car is Oh, putting power back into the home, which back, back feeds power into the grid. So if there's a guy working on the lines to repair them, oh, the lines are dead. Well, if you're backfeeding power into it, now they're not dead, and now now that's an, a safety issue for anybody who's working on the lines. That's why whenever you have um, a solar installations at your home, you need a disconnect box, a way to uh, disconnect the solar from the grid in order to work on it, uh, and, and also, f- you know, for safety reasons. It's the same way, like, if you have solar panels and you have a power outage, oh, I'm glad it's sunny out, I can use the solar. You really can't, again, because if the... If you lose power at your house, it disconnects the solar from the grid for safety reasons. The only way you can utilize solar during a power outage is if you have the battery backup at your house. Uh, so you have a way of storing the energy and still disconnecting uh, your home from the rest of the grid. Long winded. Sorry. I know it's, I, know, I hope it clears up a little bit for somebody out there. But thanks for the show, Ryan. Appreciate it. Chris,
0: thank you very much for that explanation. I honestly learned a lot in that call. I don't know a lot about how that would work and you explained it in a clear and simple way such that it makes a lot more sense to me now. This is one of those calls I have nothing to add to. I just appreciate it. So thank you very much for calling in. Thanks to all of you who took the time out to call in. Again, I'd love to hear from you. The hotline portion of the podcast is super enjoyable to me. I love getting the different perspectives, different questions, etc. So Call in if you're interested in uh, being part of the podcast. I gave you the call-in information at the top of this segment. All right, stick around for your pro tip of the week and a bit more right after this. Well, how about a quarantine recommendation for a video game or TV show or something this week? I don't think I did one last week. And I've been watching. I just finished up High Score on Netflix. It is a 6-episode documentary about the video game industry over the years, and it really it only covers up through Doom in 1993, which tells me that hopefully there's there's they're planning a second season to cover Things like uh, Sony's partnership with Nintendo. They were supposed to do the CD-ROM drive for the Super NES, that and that, that fell apart. And that led to Sony going into the market on their own with the PlayStation. And you could get uh, Xbox coming into the market with Microsoft. So uh, anyway, but season one that's there, the six episodes, they're really good. Uh, there's Ms. Pac-Man covered in there. There's there's a lawsuit about Donkey Kong that Nintendo had to go through with Universal. And then, yeah, like I said, it ends with Doom, which is personally one of my all-time favorite games. So really well done, really great production value. If you have any interest in video games, I definitely recommend High Score on Netflix. All right, time for your pro tip of the week. This one is from friend of the podcast, Lawton from Chicago, one of my longest... Serving, not serving, that's not the right word. Longest tenured listeners, I guess, just uh listener who's been with me the longest. That's probably the best way to say it. Lawton, I always appreciate you. Thank you for calling in, and here is his pro tip of the week.
2: Hi Ryan, it's Lawton from Chicago.
0: Wanted to share a pro tip about driving in heavy rain. While it's best not to drive in bad weather conditions, if you absolutely must, please first consider taking off your airwheel caps on your mouth 3 or Y. I was called into work at night in a downpour and unfortunately had to cross flooded roads with eight inches of water streaming across. While my Model 3 had a well and was able to cross without difficulty, I left behind three of my airwheel caps. So help keep a few hundred dollars in your pocket by pop off wheel caps prior to driving in bad weather. Hope everyone stays safe in these uncertain times with help of the safest vehicles on the road. Oh wow, Lawton, I am so sorry that that happened to you. I have heard of that happening before in isolated incidents, and but this sounds like uh, you know pretty cut and dry, if you'll pardon the <laughs> ironic phrasing there. It makes sense though. If enough standing water gets high enough on the wheels, it could pop those aero covers off. So thank you for sharing this so that others might avoid having the same thing happen to them. I wish you the best, Lawton. Thanks, as always, for your support. All right, before I scoot out of here, just want to mention a few friends of the podcast, starting with abstractocean.com. I mentioned uh, they've got a couple of awesome new uh, uh, products for this week, starting with the rear footwell lighting kit, as well as a drop-in cup holder stabilizer, alongside their usual assortment of awesome aftermarket accessories for your Tesla, whether it's the center console wraps to, uh, resume, remove, I should say the fingerprint and scratch prone piano, black, glossy finish, or you want to do a tempered glass screen protector. That's custom fit right with including that subtle curve in the bottom of the glass. They've got a nice, perfect piece of glass there to, for your screen protector, if you want There are uh, the TESLA lettering for the back of the car that looks real nice on a Model 3 if you want to do that. All kinds of stuff. Just browse over there, see what's up. The website, again, abstractocean.com. Coupon code RTLpodcast. All one word, RTLpodcast. Thank you to Abstract Ocean for supporting the podcast for a number of years now. Meanwhile snap plate my friends over there the website i'll just give it to you real quick livingtesla.com slash rtl my friends there have now created the coupon code rtl which will give you 10% off of your entire order only for the month of october though it's kind of a i guess it's a call it a halloween special of sorts so if you've been thinking about getting a snap plate for your s3 x or y head on over to livingtesla.com slash RTL. This is the front license plate bracket to get. For those of you that hate front license plate brackets, this will not, it snaps on and off in seconds with the included tool, uh, but it is safe and secure. It will not damage anything. And uh, there's no adhesive, there's no screwing into anything and there's no adhesive, which that's what you get, the default uh, front license plate bracket that comes with the car. It's with double-sided automotive tape. That's how it is applied to the front of the, the Model 3. So uh, if you don't want to do that, but you do want a front plate and one that's removable, livingtesla.com slash RTL. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections, if you're going to be in the Bay Area or are in the Bay Area and your car could use some detail work, maybe you've been thinking about doing it, maybe some ceramic coating so that you don't have to wax it for the next three to five years, maybe some paint correction, maybe some paint protection film, maybe all of it. You can do uh, whatever works for you At Immaculate Reflections, mention that you are a listener of this podcast and there is a discount waiting for you. Get in contact with Jeff or book in with him on his website, which is irdetailing.com. PureTesla.com slash RTL, your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. Free shipping anywhere in the US. It comes formatted, all set, ready to go. You pull it right out of the package, straight into your car, and you're good to go. Long-term solution to the dash cam situation, puretesla.com/slash RTL. Meanwhile, more new promo codes keeping the good times rolling with Jada. In addition to the Ride the Lightning coupon code, there's also a newsletter 10, altogether newsletter 10, that's $10 off one item, or newsletter 20, $20 off of two items. I genuinely don't know if you can stack that with the Ride the Lightning code. But hey, give it a try. If you need a wireless charging pad for your Model 3, which I, that is the product, that's, I think that's the best aftermarket accessory that I've seen. That's, or at least, let's put it this way. It's my favorite. I won't call it like the best, better than anything. It's my favorite because, uh, you know, the newer Model 3s have a wireless charging pad included in the center console. But most of them, at least for now, (laughs) until production keeps going for a while, most of us Model 3s don't have one. So uh, I really recommend it. Their version three that they've got now of the wireless charging pad is great. They've also got USB hubs for both the three and the Y. So uh, grab one of those, grab both of those. Please use my referral link, which is getjada.com R-E-F slash eight. That is the URL to use if you are gonna shop at Jada. And that will about wrap it up. You can follow me on Twitter and or Instagram if you're interested. both uh, are at DMC underscore Ryan. My show email address again is Teslapodcast at gmail.com. That's where you can send recorded uh, messages for the hotline or just email me if, you've, if you want to chat via email. And of course, you can find this podcast on any of the major podcast services. Hopefully including YouTube <laughs> as, as just audio only there's no video there, but hopefully my uh, YouTube situation is all squared away. Now just search ride the lightning Tesla on YouTube and you should find my channel very easily and you can subscribe to it. If you do prefer to listen to the podcast via YouTube, but I'm also on Spotify and Stitcher and tune in, which is in your car and Google podcasts and Apple podcasts as well. And with that, let me say a big heartfelt thank you to the Patreon producers. Actually, excuse me, the maximum, wait, are they? see, now I can't even keep it straight. I think they're, they're the plaid group now, right? They're the plaid group. Let me just double check. See, I got to get my own thing right. Yes, the plaid tier. The plaid tier members, thank you very much for your continued support. Pete White, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Daniel Grummer, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Rob Brewer, Ron Lee, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Charlie Gillespie, Cos Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Will Stedman, Evie Tricity UK, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, Richard Fulkers, Trenton from Myrtle Beach, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Mark Eversoll, Ish. Chris Beach, Aaron Altschul, Steve Radspinner, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Seth Capello, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, my friend on Twitter, at Rodam, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Fernando Cordero, and Eric St. Pierre. Thank you all so very much for your maximum plaid Patreon support. And again, you can find, if you're, if you're curious to learn more about the Patreon, maybe you want to support at one of the tiers, get one of the bonuses or more, it's, uh, tests, <laughs> try that again, patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. I'm ready to go. You can tell it's late at night. I am ready to go to bed, uh, for a very conked out, boy, she looks very sound asleep for Daisy, the boxer. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This was Ride the Lightning episode 271. Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I will see you back here next week, every Sunday, 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. I'll see you then.